Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Christian Sager. Robert, the audience probably doesn't know this, but you're a tall person. I'm reasonably tall. I'm um, 6'2 or 6'3. Yeah, you're taller than me and Joe for sure, though. As we found out when we did our photo shoots a couple months <laughs> ago, we we always, and whenever we do the Facebook Lives, we usually end up putting you in the middle, so it's not like this weird lopsided, three-headed creature. <laughs> but yeah, you're definitely taller than the two of us. I'm 5'9", five, 5'10", five, depending mm-hmm. on, I guess, like how, how good my day is going. <laughs> you know, it's interesting to think about exact heights because some of the literature we're looking at for this episode I saw estimations on to what degree men round up their height. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I find that I tend to round down. Oh, like, really? I could make a claim for 6'3", yeah. but I'd rather just be 6'2". Like, I'm calling it at 6'2". It's, uh, I bump my head enough at 6'2". It's, uh, <laughs> if I even think I'm a little bit taller, I feel like I'm just going to have more head injuries. That's funny because I do the opposite. I totally round up. Because I'm like, you know, when when I get the measurement at like the doctor's office or whatever, it's like five, nine and three quarters or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, I'm not totally 5'10", but I just say 5'10 to everybody. That's interesting. Huh. Somebody should do a study on that. (laughs) Uh, That would be interesting in relation to what we're going to talk about today. So this is one of those like scientific, I don't know, pastimes that we end up seeing in like our popular media a lot, like mm-hmm. especially newspapers that, uh, it's basically like every couple months there's a publication that comes out and it says, well, if you're over this height, like if you're tall, then you're going to live longer. Uh, if you're short, you're going to die sooner. Right. <laughs> right. And then like people read that and they're like, oh my God. And they go out of their minds. They start, they go out and they run for like two weeks and then they're like, eh, it's fine, whatever. Well, and then likewise, when it comes to uh, psychology, uh, you'll find studies that, that are basically saying, oh, well, well, short, shorter people that behave like this, taller people behave like this. Right. And then we start turning the microscope on ourselves and we're like, oh man, am I like that? Do I have a Napoleon complex or am I, do I have some sort of like tall person vanity? And, uh, it, it gets problematic because you end up with these broad uh, generalities, uh, oftentimes supported, especially in the psychology realm, by studies that are maybe not that large and convinced. Yeah. And so this is how we got on the track for this episode was one of these studies crossed our desk and we were like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And it was we'll, we'll mention it later, but it was about height and lung disease and we were like, let's actually like take a look at like the gamut here and mm-hmm. see like all these studies together, what we actually come down to. Like, what is, is there anything to this? And if there is, is it better to be tall or is it better to be short in terms of health and both physical and mental? Now I want to touch on just a couple of quick overviews about human height. So over the, the last 150 years, the average height of people in industrialized nations has increased approximately 10 centimeters or about four inches. And today the average human height is currently about five foot seven and a half inches for males or 172 centimeters and five foot two or 158 centimeters for females. Uh, and the, this has said 150 years out of all human history. That's a very recent development. Mm-hmm. We actually have a, another episode of Stuff to Blow Your Mind, one I did with Joe uh, a while back, called Colossal, the Science of Human Height. That gets a little more into uh, why 
humans have grown or have grown taller in the last 150 years, as well as uh, a look at uh, certain gigantism scenarios. Yeah, so that 150 years or so lines up pretty well with our understanding of why height is related to health. And in the basic assumption goes something like this, that uh, it's a combination of your genetic potential and n- what's referred to as net nutrition. So this is the food you take in, especially during childhood, and how it determines how tall you can grow. But then it's referred to as net nutrition because there's things that can take away from the the net, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, such as disease. So if you if you have disease in, in your childhood, that can subtract from your net nutrition, m- maybe leading to you being a little shorter. So what we're seeing is like as our nutrition has gotten better, as the uh, world has become more developed, as wealth is spread around, that's why, especially in the Americas and, and Europe, uh, there are taller people now. Now, for a long time... Historians have used recorded height actually as an indicator of the living standard in both our health and our income. And this is basically because there's not a whole lot of other data available when they're looking at old records, right? It's not like we would have like socioeconomic records of somebody's name written down. But a lot of times they do record their height and their weight. Uh, and so this general assumption about people earning more money and then that being connected to health that's one of the big questions here for us today, I think. I mean, maybe. So there was this instance uh, st- in China. There's a study found that height does increase as health and survival do in the 20th century. So we're seeing that reflected in China now the same way mm-hmm. we saw it in America and uh, in Europe. This seems to support the idea that adult height is like, quote, a crystal ball that reflects early life conditions such as nutrition and disease. So... You know, maybe there's something to that, but basically the way we're going to look at it today is like, what are the meta studies on this, right? Like, has anybody bothered to take a wide lens look at all of these and kind of figure out like, so what's the truth here or not? And then we're going to zoom in on the ones that are detailed that are specifically about like organs such as like your heart or your lungs or your brain and like whether or not those are affected by your height. Yeah, because we, you know, you get into the specifics of all of this and you look at like, okay, who tends to live the longest? And it's, uh, uh based on the information I was looking at yesterday, I believe it's Japanese uh, women. Yeah. Tend to live the longest. And the Japanese women, uh, do not have a reputation as being just towering physical giants. Right. Uh, so a lot of this, you know, you deal with the generalities when you break it down. Everybody can name a short person who lived for a long time or a short, short person who died early. Mm-hmm. The same with, uh, with tall people. And nobody's coming up to a tall person, a short person, on the street and saying, oh, why did they not feed you when you were a child? And you, you will live forever. When you get into, of course, the extremes, when yeah. you get into um, conditions that, uh, that cause an individual to be um, you know, extremely uh, small in stature or um, you know, they're suffering from some sort of a gigantism uh, scenario, yeah. then everything is going to potentially be more out of line. But when we're dealing oh, with sort of the, the standard realm of human heights, that's where it gets really interesting and, and difficult to... Uh, to pull apart. So let's look at this first theory, which is just the general idea that short people live longer than tall people. Now, we'll go to that example that Robert just mentioned. According to the World Health Organization, Japanese women have the longest average lifespan in the world. They live to be, on average, 86 years old. The average height of a Japanese woman uh, between the ages of 75 
and 80 is 149.54 centimeters or about 4.9 feet tall. So you and I would be towering over these people. We'd be easily a foot or more over them. Um, but they live longer. So for comparison, the average U.S. man, like Robert and myself, lives to be about 75. Uh, and in 2012, a study found that shorter men in the U.S. do actually live longer than taller men. So that's one in my column. Although I don't know, I don't know if I qualify as shorter. I'm shorter than you, but I don't know if I'm shorter. And we're going to find this when we look at these studies that the measurements are all over the place mm-hmm. in terms of like what height they use to measure as tall and above and what height they use as uh, short and lower. But here's the thing. There really isn't a proven direct relationship between height and life expectancy. But there's this idea out there that's connected to the short people live longer theory called the Methuselah gene. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is named after Noah's grandfather in the Bible. He was the oldest man that was listed in the Bible and he lived to age 969. So apparently none of us get to a thousand, even in the Bible. Now, this Methuselah gene seems to be connected to the idea that short people live longer. And basically, it's a rare genetic mutation that decreases the body's cellular use of a particular kind of growth hormone. And those who have it tend to be smaller and live longer. But there are all kinds of factors that could be involved here, right, that aren't just this gene. There could be lifestyle factors, birth weight, early childhood care, nutrition, vaccinations, antibiotics, diet, and income level. All of these things are important. So it's weird that we keep looking to height. And it seems to be that we're doing that because of that historical precedent, right? Just like the basic idea that, well, height is connected to wealth and subsequently wealth is connected to a good nutritious environment. Therefore, those people will live longer. Yeah, access to health care as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Now, the evolutionary biologist Dr. Armand Leroy discovered the hormone that controls our height, which is called insulin-like growth factor, or we're going to just refer to it as I. GF here. And that it controls our height, but it also controls our aging. And so if you have a low level of IGF, this means you're going to have a longer life expectancy, right? Well, in animals, this seems to be true. For instance, smaller dogs live longer than bigger dogs. This is uh, this is an example I thought of as being something that even if we're not like directly analyzing it, it's yeah. in the background. Like a lot of us tend to know that, oh, you have this giant dog, it might not live as long yeah. as this smaller, scrappy uh, mutt. Yeah, exactly. Like I have friends who have like the um, like teacup Yorkies, like tiny little dogs, mm-hmm. and they live a long time. And then like I guess, I mean, I don't remember what the averages are, but like a big dog I think isn't expected to live longer than like a decade, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've known people who've had the like Great Danes. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and I think I think they've all all the Great Danes have passed. And, yeah, yeah, no, that's too bad. But here's the other thing: there's another animal that we can look to for this mice. And I never even thought about this, but apparently dwarf mice live 75% longer than other mice. So if we pull that out and we look at humans, right, this idea of the IGF connected to our height and our aging seems to come out to be about for every extra inch of height, it shortens your life expectancy by an average of 1.2 1.2 years. So if you're 6'2 and I'm 5'10, then we got what, three, four inches between us, depending on how we're rounding. Yeah, or, or what kind of hats we're wearing. So yeah. according to this, I'm going to live 4.8 years longer than you. 
maybe, <laughs> if I don't get hit by a bus on my way out of here. <laughs> Um, so that, I mean, that's kind of part of it, right? It's like, you can't really, I mean, that obviously getting hit by a bus can't be <laughs> factored into your, your health expectancies, but it's kind of a, it's not factoring in all those other things like your lifestyle or your diet or, or whatever, or nutrition. So I'm not entirely convinced that height is a reliable predictor of health. And actually, there was a meta-study that was published on this. There's a paper by Angus Deaton that was published in 2006 in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences here in the United States of America. And it indicates that in developing countries, there's an inconsistent relationship between height, health, and income. And he looked at developing countries specifically because of the assumption that it's always been a money connected to nutrition and health care factor. Now, his argument after looking at all these studies together is is that basically height's an unreliable predictor. Uh, for example, he asks why when he looked at all of the measurements were African people so tall when they traditionally have a lower income and are exposed to more disease, right? Mm-hmm. So that seems the reverse of what we, we assume to be true about height and health. In the abstract for his paper, Deaton actually says taller people earn more on average and they do better on cognitive tests and live longer. So that... Again, so we've, we're getting different reports here, right? That his his research, the literary review that he went through for his paper was basically that tall people live longer, even though we've got all these other studies that say there's a Methuselah gene and short people live longer. So Deaton says that as a consequence of possible disease and a lack of nutrition earlier in life, the idea is that short people are more prone to chronic disease late in life, and therefore they're more likely to die earlier. But even the increase in heights in Europe and North America are regarded as not being driven by genetics. And this is specifically here in Deaton's paper. Uh, but he says it's more about changes in disease and nutritional environments. Hmm. So, all right, let's back up here. Now we've got, we've basically got two competing meta theories, right? We've got the one that says, well, height's totally an unreliable predictor. Uh, here's some data that says people who are tall live longer. And then we've got other studies that say, well, wait, no, shorter people live longer and there might be this Methuselah gene. Uh, so what we did was we basically pulled a bunch of studies for this episode based on health and mental factors. And we're going to kind of go through them and tally up as we go along and see which one of us is going to live longer, Robert or me. Okay. <laughs> the great contest here. Okay. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to start off with cancer. All right, we're back. We're talking about human height, short people, tall people, shorter people or taller people, I guess you'd say. And uh, just the, the general question, uh, does one or the other have a leg up on uh, living longer? Yeah. So unfortunately, we don't have any studies into leg health related to <laughs> to, to height. Um, that seems like it would be one of the first ones they'd go to, but I didn't see any cross my radar. Uh, we do, however, have a lot on cancer. Now, uh, there has been a link seen between breast cancer in women and height that's been proposed as early as 1975. So we're talking about melanoma, thyroid, kidney, breast, colon, and rectum cancers 
all being strongly associated with height. And studies have found that women who are 5'10 or more are likely to develop these types of cancers than women who are 5'2 or lower. So again, like as I said earlier, each one of these studies uses a different metric for what tall and short is. In this one, apparently it's 5'10 and 5'2. Uh, the explanation basically is that tall women tend to have larger organs and subsequently more cells. So their chance of developing a mutation that leads to cancer is greater and that this could ultimately be their hormones influencing their risk of cancer. Okay, so basically the idea is they have more dice to roll, and therefore there's a yeah. greater chance they're going to they're gonna roll a one on one of those dice. Yeah, which I'm not sure... I don't know if that lines up with like my, the math that I remember <laughs> for like the GRE, <laughs> but, but well, let's go on. We'll see if they've got some more stuff here. One study of this used data from the Women's Health Initiative, which is the study that was, it t- took like a broad look at women's health between 1993 and 1998 at 40 different clinics across the United States. And even when they introduced controlling factors like body weight, BMI, and socioeconomic status, they found that there was a significant relationship between height and cancer at any site in the body. Uh, And for them, they said that for every additional 10 centimeters or 3.94 inches of height that a woman had, she was 1.13 times more likely to have cancer, basically be at risk for cancer overall. They weren't narrowing in on any of these specific cancers. Then Swedish academics just last year backed this up with a study that found that the taller you are, the more likely you are to develop cancer. So for men, they they included men here, so it wasn't just, you know, uh, we're looking at two different genders here. The risk increases 11% for every extra 10 centimeters of height, while for a woman it was actually 18% for every 10 centimeters of hmm. height. So, okay, so if we look at these and it's two separate studies, I, I'd say, all right, in, in this case, it seems that we have to tally up that cancer is more likely in taller people, so you're more likely to get cancer than I am. But then again, we're dealing with a general indicator here. Very much and, so. And there are, of course, a number of other indicators for, uh, for the risk of developing cancer. Yeah, like, well, like if I live next door to Chernobyl. Right, yeah. Yeah, small, uh, shorter person smoking, taller person smoking, et cetera. So, all right, let's look at blood clots next. And the reason why those are important is because they can potentially lead to strokes. So another study found that if you're five foot two or under in your weight. Now, remember, in most of these, your weight has to be close to normal for your height. Like you can't be uh, either super skinny or you know, morbidly obese mm-hmm. and th- have that height. That's going to throw the, the calculations off. But if you're a normal weight and you're five two, you're three times less likely to get a blood clot. And this is because blood must be pumped a longer distance in taller people, which may lead to a reduced flow and an increased risk for a stroke-causing clot. Okay, well, that makes sense. It's just a, basically a... It's just physics, plumbing. essentially, yeah. yeah. Um, now, while height is associated with blood clots, a 2002 study looked at 10,000 Israeli civil servants, and it found that height was associated overall with stroke risk, not just the blood clots, but hmm. just stroke risk overall. Uh, being taller was not good. Uh, a Scandinavian study, the Scandinavians seem to be looking into this a lot, probably because, I, I mean, we assume that they're taller than us. 
guess. But they found that uh, taller people are 2.5 times more likely to develop venous thromboembolism, which this collectively covers both deep vein thrombosis and pulmonary embolisms. Now, in this study, men over 5'8 were 2.57 times more likely to develop recurrent blood clots. If they were also overrate, that rose even more, up to 5.28 times. So, okay, so again, looks like we've got to put tall people uh, on on the list as being more likely to get blood clots and strokes. Sounds like it. Okay. Man, this isn't looking good for you, buddy. (laughs) All right. What about your heart? How's your heart feeling? Ah, uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I, I've, I have heart problems. Yeah. I not like major stuff, but like I had a, a mitral valve prolapse when I was a kid, mm. and it, it's like a thing that I have to get checked up on for occasionally. It just means like one of the valves flaps differently than uh, than the other three valves. But um, I don't know. Let's see. Let's <laughs> roll the dice. All right. Tall people are less likely to develop heart disease. All right. There you go. Finally. Okay. But for every 2.5 inches taller you are than someone else of your same gender, your risk of heart disease actually diminishes by 14%. So in the study that looked at this, researchers actually measured the association between DNA variants and height as well. So they weren't just like measuring people and then looking at their medical histories. They were actually looking at their DNA. And what they found was that the association between uh, heart problems and height was actually small, but then they combined it with the overall associations that they had from other data, and they still found that genetically determined height was at risk of coronary heart disease. So before this, observational studies had basically suggested that there was a link between shorter height and coronary heart disease. So this one's a little confusing to me. I don't know, maybe it, it plays out in the end, like it's kind of an equalizer. Mm-hmm. But we got another study here that says a review of 52 separate studies. So this is one of those meta studies. It found that of more than 3 million people, the shorter ones had a 50% higher risk of deadly heart disease than tall ones. And additionally, the genes associated with being short also increases the risk of having high LDL cholesterol levels. Okay, so this isn't looking good for short people in terms of heart stuff. And one more study related to this said men who were taller than 6'1", so that's you, had a 35% lower risk of having a heart attack than men who were shorter than 5'7". Every inch a man gains subsequently results in a 2 to 3% decrease in heart attack risk. That's interesting. Hmm. But there, as far as I could tell, there was no like speculation as to why. Now this is another one of those uh, instances where I have to uh, have to, to say that I feel like I have a warped sense of uh, percentages and, and and likelihood you know of scenarios taking place yeah. based on uh, rolling dice in D and D and playing <laughs> XCOM where you have like <laughs> right. a ninety percent uh, hit on an alien and and you end up missing or even like a ninety five percent yeah. Um, like stuff like that, I feel like has kind of warped my understanding of percentiles. Well, what if like in the in that situation, right? I mean, pe- statisticians out there are going to be screaming at us, but yeah. but in that situation, if you're playing the game and the alien is at a high enough level mm-hmm. that even your ninety five percent isn't enough to allow you to hit it, 
Hmm. Then subsequently, I mean, so if you apply this to health, then it's like if you have something like a, a, a extremely uh, dangerous form of coronary heart disease, right? No matter what your stats are, no matter how tall you are, you're still going to roll with like a negative two. This always reminds me of a quote from uh, The Naked Gun, yeah. the old Leslie Nielsen uh, uh, flick. Uh, I like to think of it as an O.J. Simpson movie. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it's about the, the O.J. Simpson character, Nordberg. Oh, yeah. Where, um, where this character says, doctors say that Nordberg has a 50-50 uh, chance of living, though there's only a 10% chance of that. So I like the percentage <laughs> yeah. upon percentage and ultimately making it just com- completely nonsensical. Yeah, and I mean, like, no uh, disrespect to the people who are conducting these studies, but when you see them all lumped together like we're doing here it mm-hmm. kind of feels like that it feels like for instance like the heights are all over the place the percentages are it, there's a lot of shifting around here and and what we're doing here today is clearly not academic in any sense of the term <laughs> you know we're not using any like statistical models to try to put all these together we're just basically using fast and loose D rules right yeah well, we're we're not trying to make an actual um argument for you a tall person or a shorter shorter person's uh, uh, chances of, of survival, yeah. but r- rather providing an overview of what some of the studies are saying. But so far, let's recap. So Robert's more likely to get cancer, taller people. Mm-hmm. Taller people are more likely to have strokes and clots. Shorter people are more likely to have heart disease. All right. Okay. What about your lungs? Now, this was the study that got us on this track. So according to a 2015 study that was presented at the American Thoracic Society International Conference, lung transplant candidates who are about 5'3 or shorter have to actually wait a longer time for their transplants than taller candidates. And they're more likely to die within a year of waiting for such transplants. So this is interesting. I I have to assume that it's because of size availability. Yeah, I mean, it, this reminds us of something that came up in our cyborg, uh, one of our cyborg episodes, just talking about uh, the, the size of artificial hearts, I believe. Yeah. And how initially they did not have, like, they were sized for adult men, and therefore if someone was like a smaller female yeah. uh, individual, or just a, someone smaller than what was the ideal male size. They wouldn't fit. Yeah. So yeah. I, I imagine it lines up with that. Uh, yeah, so they basically found that shorter adults are more likely to be placed on mechanical ventilation. And the median height that they used was 170 centimeters, or about 5.6 feet. They used a median BMI of 25.4, which I don't really know the BMIs very well, but I looked it up on a chart, and that actually qualifies as overweight. Uh most of their participants were white and male. That's important to remember as well, too. So, all right, lungs, sounds like shorter people are worse off. Okay. Brains. What about your brain? Oh, this is a big one because it's, you know, if everything else is working, that's great. But if the brain is not uh, functioning properly as well, then, uh, yeah. you know, what's the point, right? Well, it turns out that women who are 5'7 or taller are 50% less likely to die from dementia than women who are 5'1 or shorter. And this has been attributed to factors that contribute to smaller stature. Again, childhood illness, stress, and poor nutrition. So what I'm getting out of this is, like, height isn't necessarily all that important. But, like, if you're a parent, it's pretty important that you make sure your kid's eating well, Mm -hmm. and if they're sick, you're taking care of them, right? Um, 
Men, however, who are taller than 5'10", they had a 59% lower risk of developing Alzheimer's disease than men who were shorter than 5'6". So, okay. So what we're seeing here is that dementia, especially Alzheimer's disease, seems to be more likely to show up in shorter people. So that's me again. So I'm more likely to lose my mind uh, than you are, which sounds about right. I mean, just based on our daily, you know, interactions and and how how with it I am already at age 40. Well, I feel like on this show, especially uh, madness is always a risk. Yes, so. it's very true. We, we knew what we were getting into <laughs> when we signed up for it. What about diabetes? I, oh, this one didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, but of course this is a big one. This is one of the, this is one of the big killers today. This is a, a primary health concern. So type two diabetes, most of us know, is linked to weight, but they think that type one may actually be linked to height. Hmm. And the cause of type one is still unknown, but it's thought to be related to an autoimmune attack on the insulin-producing cells of our pancreas. Now, a 2002 study that was published in the Journal of Pediatrics found that taller children generally experience an increased risk for the development of type 1 diabetes, except during infancy or early adolescence. But then there's been other studies that contradict this, right? So uh, there's another one that suggests that children with diabetes are either all similar in height or shorter than their non-diabetic peers. So this one seems to balance out in that, like, the studies don't seem to uh, come to a conclusion one way or the other. Hmm. So I think we can just, like, we can file this under null for now. Okay. I don't know necessarily that uh, you're more likely to get type 1 diabetes than I am, just based on height. Now, there's two smaller ones here that I added at the end. Uh, the first is about reproduction. Women who are taller, and again, totally like, I don't know why they picked these numbers, but they chose five, six for women who are taller. Those women are less likely to develop gestational diabetes than those who are shorter at five, two or shorter. This is speculated to be because the genes that are related to height have an effect on their glucose tolerance. Also, a study in Thailand, which I don't know why. Look, I, my parents lived in Thailand for a while, but anytime I hear a study in Thailand, I'm immediately <laughs> like, mm, I don't know. A study in Thailand found that being five one or taller reduces your risk of having to have a C-section. Huh. That seems to make sense to me. Well, this one is interesting in terms of um, of what a lot of the data has said about uh, about C-sections over the years, and there there are those who argue that a lot of times. I mean, C-section is a is a topic unto itself that we could we could easily devote a whole episode to. But there are those who make the charge that the decision to go the C-section is uh, is sometimes uh, related to the the culture of the hospital, the cultural the culture of the medical profession. Yeah. So I can't help but wonder, like when this comes up, to to what extent would this translate into an American hospital scenario? Oh yeah. Into, say a Chinese hospital scenario uh, into uh, you know uh, areas where there's more traditional childbirth outside side of a hospital, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. But I guess like if we take the two of these and we tally them up, we can essentially say shorter people by this metric ha- are more likely to have reproductive problems. So I'm more likely to have reproductive problems than you are, although neither of us are women. Uh, but hey, you know, it could play out in other male reproductive type problems. Mm-hmm. Last one. 
This one makes total sense once I read it. Heat exhaustion. So apparently the larger a person is, the more their body has the ability to get hot because the surface of their skin dissipates heat at a slower rate. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is this is actually something that comes up in the uh, the episode that Joe and I did about human size because we get into the idea of like giant humans yeah. and some of the problems with with heat that occur when you start just proportionally building up a uh, you know, an organism's body. Yeah, you know, this, I, I can't remember when we did our episode on the science of Ant-Man, I don't think that came up, mm-hmm. but that would be an interesting thing to think about, like when he's super tiny, how much heat is he dissipating oh, versus yeah. when he blows up to super big and he picks up an airplane or whatever. So the idea here then is that larger people are going to dissipate heat at a slower rate, so they're more likely to get heat exhaustion, where shorter people are able to lose heat more readily, so they're less likely to get heat exhaustion. Interesting. I'd never thought about that before, but I guess that's another one in my column. So you're more likely to get exhausted in the heat than I am. Like, if you and I crash-landed in the desert somewhere and there's no water and we were just walking for days, you're going to be the one to drop before me. Okay. I'm going to depend on you to rebuild our airplane and fly us out of the desert, uh, fly to the Phoenix stop. can totally do that. All right. This is basically our rundown. This is our rundown of physical stuff, though. Why don't we take a break? When we come back, we're going to get into personality and mental attributes. All right, we're back. So, yeah, we, we've looked at uh, some of the basic uh, health studies out there about uh, human height and where it uh, where where it falls on the uh, the healthy less healthy scenario your likelihood for various diseases and whatnot but uh, yeah what about uh, human height and personality and psychology so height is a primal survival signifier uh, it addresses physical strength reach health and good nutrition and uh, for this reason it's not surprising that humans have some natural tendencies when it comes to our our psychological relationship with human height. But this is this is one of the the problems too because uh, it, it's very we don't want to reduce our our views of other humans and our own like social scenarios to just oh who's the biggest person in this room all right yeah. they're in charge because they're the tallest like like obviously while those factors might influence us uh, you know in the, in the sort of, sort of in the background at the you know the the, the rat like hindbrain level. Um, there's a lot more going on with human personalities, uh, with, with, with just how we interact with people. Sometimes the, the largest person in the room need not be the, the, the person with the largest stature. Yeah. You know? Often yeah. it's sometimes just the person with the most personality or the most, uh, you know, symmetrical features, um, <laughs> yeah. or the, the nicest clothes. The, 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 or, you know, they have a reputation. There's, there's so much more going on with, a, with how we perceive other humans than just, uh, how tall are they? Yeah, that's certainly true. Although I've definitely encountered in like my, uh, business life, I mm-hmm. guess that like the, the stereotype of like the tall guy, uh, assuming leadership or, uh-huh. or assuming confidence in a group. Huh. Yeah. I, I guess I haven't had a lot of, not you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have not uh, assumed uh, leadership uh, here yet, um, and n- neither has uh, has Izzy, our, um, our our tech expert. Yeah, here. He's, he's the he's tallest. Quite he's taller tall. than me. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I I don't know if it, it has to do with particular business cultures. Yeah. Or yeah, or maybe just when you of, get an MBA, they put you on a rack and they yeah. stretch you out. 
Or is it one of these things where a tall person gets promoted, it's kind of, it, it's like an attractive person getting promoted. You right. Know, they're saying, oh, well, clearly it's because they're so handsome. Or clearly it's because she's just really tall. Uh, like you, yeah. there's a gut instinct to reduce it to something that has n- nothing to do with merit. Rather than act, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rather than like, uh, analyze your own like strengths and weaknesses in terms yeah. of meritocracy. Yeah. That being said, there have been times where I've, I have like I'll have self doubt creeping in, and I'll be like, "Oh man, what if I've only gotten this far in life just because I'm a little bit tall? Oh, no. And if and if I was just a little shorter, I would just I would have fallen into the gutter years ago." No, that's not true. <laughs> but still, you, you end up thinking about these things when you start crunching some of these uh, at times very general studies. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can understand that. I have this experience where I go to shows a lot, mm-hmm. or at least I used to. I don't go as much as I as I used to go, but I, I would often find myself watching a band, and then I would, if I would get bored with the band, I would sort of pull out and pay more attention to the audience mm-hmm. and start thinking, how tall am I in comparison to everybody else in this room? <laughs> and you know, like, what's the sort of average height of fans of this particular music or uh-huh. something like that? You know, and I'm always somewhere in the middle. You know, hmm. I, like five nine, five ten. That's nothing special. Like, in fact, when you looked at a uh, when we looked at these studies earlier of like all the various organs, like. That height was neither really listed as being the tall height or the short height. It was always somewhere in between. So maybe I'm just more likely to get everything. <laughs> so uh, speaking of, of getting things, one of the, the, the classic tropes, right, is that the, the, the tall guy gets the girl. Or yeah. the tall girl gets the guy or whatever your sort of heteronormative scenario is. Kind of that whole uh, uh, the cartoon scenario of the, the nerd on the beach with the uh, with the lady, and then here comes the big, tall, muscle bound dude, and he yeah. like, kicks sand on him and yeah, runs yeah. off with the gal. Flex Mentallo. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, there was a there. We, I did find a study that that touches on this. A 2016 University of Edinburgh study published in Genome Biology, and they conducted an analysis of the genotype of more than 13,000 human heterosexual couples, and they found that genes that determine your height also influence your choice of mate by height. So simply put, our genes can be used to predict the height of our partner. Now there are plenty of exceptions here, of course, and we can all we all know couples where where you know one significant other is uh, is is tall, the other one's short. Yeah. Um, but this 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 paper is making an argument that we do tend to gravitate towards people who are similar in their morphology. Yes. Uh, okay. Again, from personal experience, this absolutely lines up with just like my subjective. Uh, experience with other people talking to them about mm-hmm. who they're dating or why they're dating. I know plenty of people who are tall and say like, oh, th- there's no way that I could date her. It just wouldn't work out. Or, or I, I know tall women who have said the same thing like, ugh, like he's nice and all, but just like there's such a disparity between the two of us. I just can't imagine showing <laughs> just, up in just, public. Just physical height. Yeah. The, the yeah. That's like, effect. like an huh. immediate, like, I imagine like, uh, you and I are totally off the market in terms of this kind of thing, but when you use like Tinder or something like uh-huh. that, like, I assume height is part of huh. the like statistics that you have to report. So I, I hadn't even thought of that because yeah. certainly a headshot, you're not going to be able to tell. Most photos, right. you're probably not going to tell, be able to tell. We'll but, have to ask somebody in the office who uses Tinder or Grinder or something like that, but, uh, <laughs> I would assume that it would have height and weight included in there. Well, this is an area I'd love to hear from listeners on too. Yeah, totally. More experience with this, especially as it plays out in the the, the modern uh, 
you know, dating scenario. But some people would be like, whoa, that person's 5'2". Nope, swipe. Or, or, oh, that person's like only an inch taller than me. Or some people like to have somebody who's mm-hmm. taller than them, but only a little taller than them. Do you think there's haggling room? Do you think they're like, 5'10's a bit much. If you can bring it down to 5'8", then uh, we'll give it a shot. Here's what I really think. And this is going to reveal a lot more about me and not about the study. <laughs> but... I have had lots of friends who have gotten excited about the prospect of hooking up with somebody who's either significantly shorter than them or significantly taller than them, but not having a relationship with that person. So the idea of the experience is okay, but when they're actually like searching around for a partner, Mm -hmm. they're more likely to have this scenario of like, you know, figuring out the the sort of math of like how they're going to line up against one another. Okay, so it's one thing to have this fantasy in mind. Yeah. But it's another thing to to have to think, well, where where would we put things on shelves? (laughs) And and how would that work out? Yeah. Yeah. Now, earlier you touched on the income height scenario, and there is a highly cited 2004 study from the Journal of Applied Psychology by Timothy A. Judge and Daniel M. Cable, and they did an investigation of the correlation between height and success. So, quote, uh, the findings suggest that someone who is six feet tall earns on average nearly 166,000 more during a 30-year career than someone who is five feet five inches, <laughs> even when controlling for gender, age, and weight. So wow. that's an interesting observation. Uh But again, it's kind of problematic, I, I feel. You, mm-hmm. know, you start actually teasing it apart, uh, is it really a situation where even in the background of cognition, someone's thinking, oh, that's a tall one. Make sure we give them a raise because they can crush me with their giant hands. <laughs> I don't know. know if it's that so much as that going back to that uh, that idea that we sort of started off the episode with, which mm-hmm. is like, well, tall people must come from at least middle class families mm-hmm. because they were able to be raised with a nutritious environment and they didn't have disease, to which got them to this point in life. Subsequently, they must have a history that's led them to be responsible enough to get a promotion or something like I, I guess it would be more likely to do, be that, but even that seems absurd when I think about it out loud. Yeah. Speaking of things that sound a bit absurd, uh, there's also a 2016 study out of uh, Ohio State University that argues, based on British data, uh, that the taller a person is, the more likely he or she is to support conservative political positions, support a, a conservative party, and, and actually vote for conservative politicians. They found that a one-inch increase in height increased support for the Conservative Party uh, of Britain by 0.6% and the likelihood of voting for the party by 0.5%. That one strikes me as very odd. I can't see any correlation. Yeah. I I'm, wonder, well, this is British data. Yeah. I wonder if the height factor has anything to do with aristocracy and certain family lines. I guess. I mean, you're getting back to that that idea that, all right, if someone is tall, that means they've had good nutrition, good yeah. good genetics and access to health care. But that's not always the case. And then and then it's not like there are not like tall liberal academics and and, and tall uh I'm pretty liberal sure leaning individuals. He's a tall guy. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, so this one is is hard for me to to really break down, and I I feel like I I end up thinking of individuals in my life, and I'm thinking, all right, well, here's a tall person. How do their politics line up with my my politics? Uh, This one feels weird. I'm having a hard time really uh, breaking this one down in terms of just sort of interpersonal connections. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that one, I, I don't know. 
We have, we have more? Yes. All right. Oh, yeah. And the, in fact, the next one's also from Ohio State, a uh, 2016 study as well. They found that tall people have built-in advantage when it comes to spatial relations uh, and that visual superiority holds true even when tall people sit down and their shorter counterparts stand on a box or a stool. Um, <laughs> like an apple box. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and this one, uh, this one is published in uh, Science Advances. Yeah, so I, I guess I hadn't really thought about this one because I, if anything, I would have guessed that taller people are maybe, I don't, this is the problem with, with perspective. Like I'm not good at sports or throwing things and making them go where I want them to go. Uh-huh. So, I would have the tendency to fall into the trap of, of assuming this is the universal experience, yeah. despite the fact that there's plenty of evidence that, you know, obviously we have plenty of, uh, of, of tall basketball players who are exceptional at throwing objects and making them go where they want them to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, too, like the thing that I end up thinking about with this is the thing that I end up thinking about with this is, for instance, really tall people, taller mm-hmm. than you even. Like, for instance, my father-in-law is a pretty tall guy, and so is my brother-in-law. Like, the idea of them having, like, a spatial advantage seems ludicrous to me because, like, whenever they have to get into, like, a sedan, it's like, <laughs> a, you know, a, a, a complete hassle. Like, their head's touching the roof the whole time or they're mm-hmm. bending their neck or something like that. So, I mean, I guess, like, it's a spatial advantage of terms of, like, do they need to get something down off of the top of a shelf or something? But like, yeah, or or I have noticed this that I can. Uh, uh, th- th- there are parts of the house, like the top of the refrigerator. Yeah, um, I'm the only one who can see on the top of the refrigerator yeah. without standing on something. So I'm the only one who notices that notices notices that it needs dusting. Yeah, so sure. that's like the only example of a spatial advantage that I have, and it just ties into laziness concerning the dusting of the house. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's strange to me because I a lot of the people I know who are very tall are do complain about like, well, either these chairs aren't exactly made Mm -hmm. for my body type, my morphology, you know, uh, or or whatever else in the universe. You know, Um, I imagine that there's just like a certain average height that is shot for when you're like constructing, I don't know, like a car and how how tall that goes or uh uh, particular kinds of chairs or ladders or or how tall refrigerators are. Yeah, so I'd, I'd love to hear tall, taller and shorter people uh, comment on their spatial relationships uh, uh, in, you know, when they write into us. All right, so we have one more area to discuss here, and that is the idea of a Napoleon complex, uh, yeah. short man syndrome. You're, you're familiar with this idea. I am, but you know what's funny is that whenever I refer to somebody as having a Napoleon complex, I'm never referring to their actual height. It's usually more about their personality, huh. although I know that obviously the term came from the idea that Napoleon was short. Right, yeah. I mean, that's that's the basic idea here is that a, a shorter person is allegedly fueled by boastful, aggressive, and possessive motivations to make up their f- lack of physical stature. And and you're mentioning that your your use of it uh, has often come down to more of a like like they're they're boastful and they're they're aggressive because there's some there's something some insecurity in yeah the, regardless yeah. of whether it's height or not they've got the Napoleon complex that leads to these characteristics yeah okay but I'm you know I've probably been using it wrong well no no I I this is interesting because when we come to height well, I mean we we use it to, in strange ways all the time like yeah. you, you talk of some you speak of someone like Einstein and and uh, you know you might 
describe him as a giant. Oh, he was a giant of his time. Or you right. know, talk, talk about the sciences in general, about proceeding on the backs of giants. Mm. So that's interesting. Yeah. We, we end up applying sort of, um, you know, figurative stature to, uh, to individuals just on the, the basis of, say, their intellectual merit. So what I think I'm getting out of this is that just like humanity in general for centuries mm-hmm. have gotten used to the idea of using height as a barometer, basically, for mm-hmm. personality and for health. But in the last century, we've really gotten to a point where healthcare has revealed that eh, it's not necessarily the factor. There's a lot else that's going into it. But at the same time, like our language, our culture hasn't really caught up to that yet. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good read on what's going on here. Now, in terms of the the Napoleon complex itself, the term was coined by Austrian psychologist Alfred Adler in 1908, uh, and it's it's all rather absurd because, by most accounts, uh, Napoleon uh, Bonaparte, the famed French leader, was five six or five seven, perfectly normal height for the day, really a perfectly normal height for today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is there any truth to to any of this? Uh, is it all just a matter of heightism? Is it just, uh, like you said, uh, our, our culture and language not quite catching up with this new balance of, of, of height and health? Is there, you know, is, is there, is it just a stupid label for when sh- uh, a short person is aggressive? While if a tall person is acting aggressive, then it's just, hey, they're just, that's perfectly natural. Of course they are. They're tall and aggressive. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to say that I never put much stock in it myself because it's, it's so cartoony. It, it, it literally makes me think of like a cartoon small dog yapping and, and jumping around. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. So I, I looked into it and there are a few studies that, uh, that examine the Napoleon complex. Uh, there's a 2004 study titled Personality Functioning, the Influence of Stature. And this was published in the Archives of Disease and Childhood. Uh, and it used the, the Wessex Growth Study using 48 short, normal, and 66 control participants to tackle the question. And they found no significant effect of recruitment height or final height. Uh, on the adult personality functioning assessment score uh, or on any of the uh, underlying domain scores. So what they found is that socioeconomic status has the biggest effect on the total score, on employment, on education, on uh, coping domain scores as well. So, quote, no evidence was found that stature per se significantly affected the functioning of the participants in these areas as young adults. So, all right, something just popped in my head, which is another sort of generalism Mm -hmm. that people make about Americans, I'd say, uh, and I, I'm guilty of, of this as well, but the idea that most Americans are very uncomfortable talking about class, uh-huh. and specifically socioeconomic status, uh, and this is why, like, for instance, you have studies that show that, like, people who are uh, metrically in the upper class think of themselves as being in the middle class, and people who are metrically in the lower class think of themselves as being in the middle class, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to be in the middle class. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe this is subsequently why we just keep going back to height is because it's a lot easier to talk about, well, Robert's tall and Christian's medium size, right? Rather than saying like, well, you know, we have a clear like uh, class delineation problem and the people who have the more money are more likely to be healthy. And that's, you know, basic human right that seems like it should extend to everybody. Right. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. So I, I'm kind of curious how much that plays into it. Like all this talk about height really seems to be avoiding the socioeconomic factor that keeps coming back in over and over and over again. Hmm. Now, there's a 2007 study, and this came from the University of Central Lancashire, 
And this study actually found the reverse of the Napoleon complex. Hmm. The tall men were more likely to lose their temper than short men. Mm-hmm. Uh, they explored this via what they called the chopstick game. And this is kind of hilarious, in which men of different heights dueled with wooden sticks. Uh, but one of the subjects deliberately provoked the other by wrapping them across the knuckle. <laughs> Okay. So, uh, and in this scenario, like the the knuckle wrappers here, they have been preconditioned to do this. Okay. So they're saying, look, we're going to have this scenario. We're going to go in there and start chopsticking around, but just whack the hell out of this guy's knuckles. Okay. Um, and this was a very small study, so it wasn't like a complete battle royale. Yeah. But you had ten men of average height and the same number below five foot five. Uh, and they found that the taller men were more likely to, to lose it over these shenanigans. Quote, the results were consistent with the view that small man syndrome is a myth. Huh, that's fascinating. I mean, that's a really small sample study. Yeah. And I'm assuming it's, you know, it's only within that specific area, too. But it's interesting. I I just love the idea. That's like such a farcical, uh, like <laughs> like comedy waiting to happen. Like I would love to watch like video of the proceedings where it's just like small men whacking tall men on the on the knuckles with chopsticks of all things. Yeah, it, it seems like a strange indicator of like overall personality. To what extent yeah. you were um, offended by. Like someone essentially physically assaulting you. You're going yeah. a little too far. I think I would just start emotion. laughing. Yeah. But, hey, I'm only 5'9". All right, and then uh, a final study here. Uh, this one uh, came from uh, Professor Abraham Bunk of the University of Groningen in Holland, and he argued the opposite in 2008. So the researchers questioned 100 men and 100 women in relationships about their their levels of jealousy, their feelings of jealousy, and how interested they believe their partners to be in other members of the opposite sex. So this seems to be zeroing in on like one aspect of the supposed Napoleon complex, mm. the idea that, that shorter men are going to be more possessive and more jealous. Hmm. So they found that five foot four inch men scored an average of 3.75 out of six on a jealousy scale. Okay. While men around six, six, they scored 2.25 on the jealousy scale. Now the female results were more complex. So you have average heighted women, they were scoring uh, lowest out of everybody, okay. out of, getting a three out of six on the jealousy scale. Huh. The tallest uh, women at six feet, they got a four out of six. And the shortest women, they scored the best of all. They got, uh, uh, you know, five feet tall. They got five out of six. So the short women were the least likely to be jealous. They were the mm-hmm. most confident of all of these participants. Yeah. Man, it seems like the way to go is to be a short woman. When you look again, like back at the the Japanese women who live the longest, they're I think if I remember correctly from the data earlier in the episode, four nine on average. Yeah. And then these ladies, very confident. Yeah, I don't know. They said this was one of their their core findings. Quote: Short men were, as expected, most jealous in the presence of powerful, tall, strong, and rich potential rivals. Hmm. So I, this is not a study to you know govern your behavior and life choices yeah. on but it it uh it, it's it's interesting in that it it presents the one study that i could find that uh, argued in favor of at least some level of of uh, short man syndrome or napoleon complex so okay we've looked at the the mental attributes we've looked at the physical attributes we've cracked all these numbers we've thrown around metrics of height uh and death and rates of mortality now, what have we come to a conclusion on? <laughs> well, I think we've come to the conclusion that, yes, in certain scenarios, especially with health, 
you can point to height as a, as as an indicator, as a partial indicator, anyway, yeah. along, among many other indicators about what might happen with your body. But on its own, I think I agree with that study that we presented at the top that it's an unreliable predictor. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, well, because somebody is this tall, they're less likely to do X, Y, and Z, or they're more likely to die from A, B, and C. Uh, it just seems like what we should really be paying attention to is nutrition and socioeconomics. Those right. seem way more important. Yeah. Likewise with, yeah, with the psychological stuff, I, I really like what you said earlier that it, it, it seems like it's largely this idea that we do have some, some primal instincts in judging an individual by height. But those, those, those primal judgments, even though they may pop up to varying degrees in modern living, uh, it, it's a far more complicated scenario now, thanks to all the additional layers of human culture. Yeah. Well, that said, I have tallied up our results. Okay. And uh, you scored three and I scored four. Okay. So I am more likely to die at a younger <laughs> age than you are okay. based on this very informal <laughs> study that we've done here today. Uh, so, hey, guys, I'll see you, I'll see you when I see you. Yeah, we, 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 this means you have to do the follow-up episode after I die. Uh, after you die? Yeah, yeah. Which is about how it was an unreliable predictor. No, 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 because I'm going to die first, right? No, I'm going to die oh, first. Oh, you're going to die. Oh, crap. Yeah. That means I've got to do the podcast. Yeah, you, oh. you, it'll be you. Okay. And mm-hmm. your new co-host will be seven feet tall. Yeah, well, it's going to be a robot, so there's it's, no telling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of people don't know this, but Carney is very tall. <laughs> they usually imagine it was like a short robot with like a mailbox for a head, but he's he's massive. We have no. to really reach up there. Yeah, he's like the the, the robot on that uh, that Queen album cover that's crushing the band members <laughs> in their hand. He's imposing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, if this was interesting to you and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm a tall person or I'm a short person. This doesn't line up with what I thought I knew about myself. Tell us your experience. You know, I'd like to know, have you experienced a Napoleon complex? Do you know about any specific uh, physical ailments that you feel like are you're more likely to have because of your stature? Let us know. The best way to do that is to reach out to us on social media, where we are on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. That's right. And uh, and as always, you can find us at The Mothership at StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That's where you'll find all the podcast episodes. You'll find videos. You'll find blog posts, links out to those social media accounts like we mentioned. Everything's there. And if you just want to write us a sweet, long letter, the old-fashioned way, you can reach out to us at BlowTheMind at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 